1990, the internet as we know it was created. An invention of infinite possibilities and unknown potential. There are now over 2 billion websites currently in existence. A wealth of information, functionality, and social media. However, if you dig deeper, there lies more beneath the surface. The strange, bizarre, and dark corners of the net. Welcome to the Weird Wide Web. Yeah, uh, when do you start getting free shit? I don't know. When, when does... When does this stop uh, being a money loss? Is what I'd like to know. Yeah. When is this not a time suck? How how do we get our time back? That's my real question. When do we get to hire people to write these episodes for us? Yeah. When do we have other hosts? <laughs> when when does that happen? <laughs> I'd like the producer title. I'll take exact producer. Anyways. <laughs> Welcome back. To the weird wide web. Hey! Deep dive into the deep wide world web, weird wide world web. Yeah, it's just two and... hungover boys talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> high energy, baby, yeah, high energy. Yeah. Now, I will say, we've got to start this episode on a bit of a somber note. Somber. Every creator in their career, in their online career, eventually gets to the point where they have to make an apology. And we, that the Weird Wide Web, are at that point. What do we do? I was browsing through the uh, Summer of 84 IMDb page, as one does Uh uh, in their free time. And I came across a bit of trivia that in the bowling scene, at the bowling alley, in the background, there is a Polybius arcade machine. And I did not remember that and did not mention it in our Polybius episode. And honestly, I've really let the fans down, so I just have to make that apology so that we can grow, we can move on, and we can do better research in the future. And I just, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I am sorry that I had missed that reference Wow, that's, in our most beloved that's, <laughs> horror movie series. That's fucked, It's not man. even a series, it's one episode. <laughs> it's one movie. <laughs> uh, B minus on the apology there, bud. B minus? Yeah. That's passing. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. If you got a B minus, you would have been pumped. Dude, I graduated high school with a B at most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. I'm I'm actually a little more upset about what it actually ended up being. Um, I would have rather you did something fucking disgusting. Yeah. Something uh, we're a little bit more drama heavy, huh? Well, no. This is... That's my beloved summer of 84. And for you, the researcher here, to not do your research and fuck up my love of that movie is fucking unreal. Yeah, it's tough. Unforgivable. (laughs) This uh, leads me to the fact that I will be stepping back Oh fuck the research off. of this fuck podcast and, and putting it all on Niall so Niall will be doing the rest of the season's research alright guys well we're shifting and what we're going to be talking about from now until forever is just the summer of 84 we're just going to go over it with a fine tooth comb and we're going to pick out every little part of, of Mackie's little fucking we knew, it, we knew it was Mackie the whole time get into the nitty gritty and the real the the you know psychoanalyze this uh 
mystery yeah <laughs> that is the summer of 84 he hands out uh fucking little popsicles to kids and then just watches them like dude he pulls up a lawn chair outside his home uh-huh and just watches the kids play in the neighborhood he, he doesn't have a child and then he hands out popsicles to all of them and just stares at them creepily and no it wasn't on anyone's it, it, radar well here's the I'll benefit of the doubt ever since i was a little kid what do your parents say don't accept candy from a stranger. Oh, yeah. Popsicles, not candy. Loophole. Oh, he's gotcha. Yeah. He, he did it. He's too smart. He, he's a level above. He, he's always a level above. Just like he was a level above Davey when he was hiding in his attic. Boom. References, Physically baby. Physically a level above. Yeah. You're referenced in a reference. Oh, my. <laughs> did we just inception summer of 84? But anyways, now that we've lost half our audience because they have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, let's get into our to our topic of today. Uh, it's a good, it, it's a very infamous. Like I would say, this topic when you think dark web, this is what you think of. We're talking about the Silk Road. Oh, uh, how familiar are you with the Silk Road? So I actually do know a little bit about the Silk Road, but uh, really only its kind of relation to crypto. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, that is basically where my knowledge kind of stops. I know. Yeah, it's like I I would say it's it's the first kind of uh really structured system of of payment that crypto was used in for sure. Mm-hmm. Like back when it was pretty much just Bitcoin. I actually learned something interesting. The exchange that they used mainly was Mount Gox. Yeah, yeah. And that was a whole fucking so, thing. Well, you know, they well, they uh, bit the bullet in 2014 with uh, massive amounts of fraud. Yeah, and everyone <laughs> lost a bunch of shit in it. Yeah. One thing I thought was very, very interesting and super fucking nerdy is that Mount Gox stands for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. The guy who created it owned that domain for years before he turned it into a Bitcoin exchange. And he first bought it to open up like a uh, selling and and uh, trading facility for Magic the Gathering cards. Damn, that's actually awesome! Bring together crypto and trading cards. I'm all in, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's right up your fucking alley. I was very very interested to that. But yeah, so we're gonna dive into the Silk Road, which for you know we'll get into it. But it's like one of the most infamous drug online portals and i think what the majority of people think of when they think of the dark web in like what you can do in the dark web which is a common misconception but we'll get into all that it's very very exciting i'm pumped let's let's talk about cloth and fabrics and how these dirty drug smugglers were all getting their cotton and and all of their linens yeah they they that's right this went from um Europe to Asia, right? The Silk Road, the actual, yeah. the actual Silk Road. Yeah, yes. In, in real life, the actual Silk Road. Mm. Yes, yeah. I believe the actual Silk Road. It's in like, um, I think it runs through. There's a couple exits that actually are, are pretty close to me, but they have like a rest close stop. There's like a rest stop on it, right? There's a couple rest stops on the Silk Road. <laughs> they have an Annie Ann's at one of the rest stops, right? No, I think it's a Wawa. <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm thinking of I-95. That's not the same Oh, road. common misconception. Damn. Right. Th- common misconception. They're always renaming names after 
new mayors and, and people we don't care about. I thought, I thought it was a, just the switch. But we're talking about the internet because this is an internet podcast. Oh, I thought you were pulling Apparently. one of your... Uh, it, it's kind of close to the internet. You know, interstate travel. <laughs> no, this is very much the internet. This is This is deep in the internet. This is a big write-up, so let's just dive into oh, it, yeah. I think. Let's do it. It is a crisp October day in San Francisco as Ross Albright makes his way to the local library. The employees recognize him as a regular and kindly smile as he makes his way to a quiet table in the back. Ross sits down, opens his laptop, and begins his work for the day. This mainly consists of browsing forum posts, answering chat questions, and taking steps to keep his business thriving. Definitely porn, too. Well, you know, in a library? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bad things happen in libraries, (laughs) Hale. This is what we found out. (laughs) We've learned this. A quiet conversation between a couple seated nearby slowly begins to raise in volume, the discussion slowly boiling into a full-on argument. Ross's attention is pulled from his computer. He turns, trying to figure out what is going on. The moment his full attention is removed from his computer, a flash mob of bodies surrounds Ross. Two people tackle Albright to the ground while the other sees his laptop before it can be closed. They insert a USB to capture all the passwords and important documentation. The bickering couple stop, get up, and assist in the arrest of the 29-year-old. In total, around eight FBI agents arrest Ross Albright and walk him and his laptop out of the library. Oh, the cops did a little distraction there. A little fake couple fight. A little, fight. uh... A rippy do. A little. Uh, <laughs> I hey, think that's the official. A rippy do. Yeah. Hey yeah. guys, let's pull a little rippy do on this criminal. Yeah. Open up the playbook. Oh, R for rippy do. do. How do we get this uh, guy in a library? So let's take it back a little bit. Coined as an anonymous Amazon.com, the Silk Road was launched in February of 2011. The site was hosted on the Tor network, allowing its IP address to be hidden and users to browse free from traditional tracking. The lack of tracking was paired with the use of a new form of decentralized currency, Bitcoin. Crypto, baby! As long as... (laughs) That's right. It's the uh, astrology for men. (laughs) As long as individuals did not link their actual identities to their wallets, the Silk Road could be used free of worry. The anonymity infrastructure turned the Silk Road into a haven for drug dealers. Endless potential for profits proved all too enticing, and the Silk Road quickly saw thousands of users flood the marketplace. It only took three months after the Silk Road's deployment for senators to start calling for its disclosure. A little side note that I was actually quite surprised by when I was doing this research, um, because in my mind, the Silk Road was always this, like, dark net marketplace where you could buy anything and everything and get it shipped to you and stuff like that but in reality the they actually had a lot of like restriction as to what you could sell all drugs were pretty much uh open market and ids and stuff like that but they very strictly regulated any kind of like porn or hits like anything that causes harm or stuff like that was like banned from the platform it was pretty much just like drugs ids and other stuff so some morals a a little bit yeah okay i like that no 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 selling people yeah no selling people no like uh cp like for the most part just kind of like free market for drugs and stuff 
and, and just for our listeners, what's CP again? Oh, that's child porn. Oh, we got him. Wait, where's the couple arguing? We can get him. Get <laughs> oh, wait. I mean, CP. I mean, cod points. Cod, cod points. points. They're selling cod points. Yeah. <laughs> the Silk Road was the brainchild of Ross Albright, an ambitious young kid from Austin, Texas. After graduating with a bachelor's in physics and then a master's degree in materials science and engineering, Albright first tried his hand at day trading. He quickly realized this was not for him and attempted to create a video game company that also failed. He then partnered with a close friend and the two built an online used bookstore, Good Wagon Books. His friend eventually moved to Dallas, leaving the burden of running the company on Ross, though Ross's mind was already starting to formulate the groundwork for his next venture, The Silk Road. I'm just, I'm nervous because this guy is like, I feel like I'm pre-Ross right now where I'm like, uh, I'm like i could probably day trade if i want and then just lose a bunch of money <laughs> and then i'm gonna be like i should just probably sell drugs <laughs> right i think we're, we're all almost it's the lost. natural progression <laughs> yeah it's the natural progression albright built the site on the tour network and created a wordpress page to promote and help potential customers locate it shortly after a user named altoid began promoting the site on the forums of Shroomery.com, a magic mushroom discussion board. Altoid was also found on another forum, Bitcoin Talk, promoting the Silk Road. A month later, an official Silk Road account was created on Bitcoin Talk, and an official Silk Road thread was created. On the Bitcoin Talk forums, Altoid posts a job offer looking for two highly skilled IT professionals that could work on site security. In October of the same year, several letters are seized at O'Hara Chicago Airport. This would be the beginning of the investigation into the Silk Road and its creator. Despite this, in the background, the Silk Road continued to snowball. A forum was created on the tour address for the users. Different employees and moderators were hired to help run the site. Another investigation was started in Baltimore. This time, they would track down a seller from the site, and after their confession, would take control of their account. This was a substantial step in the case because, in the early stages of the Silk Road, the number of sellers was limited and spots were auctioned off. Ooh. Though, this would soon change to a flat rate for new accounts. On top of the 8-15% to 15% the Silk Road took as commission on each sale. Eventually, a task force was created to investigate the Silk Road, which included members from Homeland Security, DEA, postal inspectors, IRS, Secret Service, and the FBI. And like a random bickering couple they just found. <laughs> and just some, <laughs> some upset couple at the fucking uh, library. The investigation's next big step would come from an IRS agent tasked with searching every corner of the internet for information. The FBI is wording on that. They soon stumbled upon the Altoid account, specifically the job offer post where the user tells interested parties to reach out to them at rossalbright at gmail.com. Jesus fucking Christ. They also discovered the account Frosty on stackoverflow.com, a coding help board that was inquiring about connecting a Tor-hidden web server using curl in PHP. This Frosty account was linked to Ross's Gmail account and listed his name as Ross Albright when it was initially created. God damn it, Ross. All this provided the... Ta <laughs> yeah, it's... it's um, You look at it, you go, huh, 
used your real name, did we? Oh, <laughs> this is 2011. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't like the late 90s when it's like, oh, the internet's a brand new thing. Like, <laughs> this is yeah, we know. Like, you're a smart guy. You're also creating an anonymous fucking like marketplace, and <laughs> you don't take the steps to like maybe try and be anonymous. Yeah, and again, like I mentioned before, when he first launched the site, he promoted it on the main web through a WordPress account. It was like silkroad.com or silkroad.wordpress.com, essentially. And it just told you how to download the Tor browser and access the site. It's like not a lot of steps were taken to uh, obscure his identity. Fucking Ross. Uh, all this provided the task force with a strong person of interest, though notably nothing to connect him to the creation and running of the site. So they continued to monitor, monitor him while simultaneously running undercover operations on the site. During a routine border search in July of 2013, a package containing nine fake IDs was discovered. All the IDs, while listing different names, displayed Ross's picture. <laughs> The package was also addressed to Ross Albright's current residence in San Francisco. Two weeks after this seizure, the FBI claims they located the Silk Road servers being used. To this day, the FBI never revealed how they obtained this information. Many users feared the Tor network had been compromised, though computer specialists seemed to believe it was, in fact, a hack that revealed the actual IP address. A few days later, Homeland Security agents contacted Ross at his San Francisco apartment. At this point, the site had been up and running for nearly two and a half years, though prices varied widely over this time, uh, Bitcoin prices, Albright is estimated to have made around $80 million. Damn. These earnings and the theorized persona of an online drug kingpin sat in stark contrast to the person that Homeland Security questioned. Ross lived in a small apartment that he shared with two other guys, though at the time they knew him as Josh. They mainly questioned him about the fake IDs, and while not answering much, he seemed to allude that anyone could have gone on the site, the site, the Silk Road, and framed him. Another coincidental connection, but still no definitive connections to prosecute. Oh, so Ross might be a little smart after all. Well, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> he still posted his Gmail. <laughs> That's true. But, uh, oh, sorry. I may, should I call him Josh now? No, you can still call him Ross. <laughs> and you, we'll have a new name for him in a little bit. Oh, what's it going to be? Well, you just have to keep listening and find out. Oh, no. I, I can't find this guy's <laughs> name. <laughs> his fake, his third <laughs> fake name. I can't wait. His third fake name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Despite the site's swift and massive success, it was unfortunately plagued by scams. The most popular method was that of the exit scam. In an exit scam, a seller would spend about a month or so building up good faith. They would provide quality product, offer fair prices, and make quick deliveries. Then, once they have the trust of return customers, they would offer a massive opportunity for a large sale. Once the buyer took the bait, the seller would delete their user profile and escape with all their money. Due to the site's anonymity, along with the system of dummy transactions used to obscure the Bitcoin trail catching these scammers was next to impossible. Ross's free market was at risk. He was dealing with rampant scamming and even theft from the people he had hired to help run the site. This would lead to the soap opera-esque series of events in his arrest and the site's eventual closure. So now, 
we're gonna get into that that was like a quick summary of the site the site as a whole but now we're gonna get into the messages that were recovered on the forums of the site and stuff like that that led to the like closure and the kind of crazy end to Ross Albright's reign as as uh, Silk Road Kingpin, because in my mind it's the more interesting of the events that happen with Silk Road. You can go on line and and find like just read through all of the exact messages we've summarized a little bit here, but we have some of the actual messages read uh, mixed in. It's it's a wild ride. All right, I'm pumped because so that's what we're gonna get into now. Okay, I so before we get into that, I have a question. Yeah, because I was trying to see like where this was really going. I I didn't know what the fuck you were up to. Uh, so you were strapped in, but you were confused. Yeah. Well, I also just want to know. So the Silk Road, like on a basic level. Yeah. Because you mentioned like I started thinking like oh yeah sellers and like it's not like you can have a customer mm-hmm. service type like thing on this market, but. So basic, you totally like, did. Yeah. So how was it like set up, like a basic so you, level? So you would go to the site and like any, it would be, you know, once you access it through the Tor browser, it would be kind of like any online marketplace that you would be. There were sellers that had to be approved or you pay your thing. You would list, you could search for the type of drug. There were different categories. You would have to create your own account um, to do the Bitcoin rea- uh, uh the Bitcoin Transaction. transactions. And then also on the site was a forum. Because, like, you know, forums were big at that point. Yeah. You know, they still kind of are, but not as much, I feel, online. But, yeah, so there was a fair forum on that. And there were a handful of moderators and stuff like that that were paid to work on the site. Like, you know, a few of them would literally just be dealing with customer complaints and stuff like that and dealing with those kind of transactions and all that um it definitely wasn't a perfect system by any means like obviously there's a ton of scams like there was a lot of points to be exploited on it for sure but for a while it was like a very convenient way for people to buy drugs and fake ids online and kind of other things oh all right that's interesting yeah i I just didn't know how it would be set up obviously because it's fucking illegal shit but I can picture it. Yeah. Like, yeah, like just like a normal, yeah, like Amazon, honestly. It it really was. And it, it's funny because it's like, well, it did, like, the popularity comes from the fact that it was an illegal kind of marketplace and stuff like that. But in all of his kind of interviews and the stuff he wrote, like, Ross created it with the mindset of no government control. Like, he didn't create it because he wanted to sell drugs. He created it because he wanted to create a marketplace with no regulation that would like allow the freedom f- of everybody to like deal with whatever they want. He didn't create it. Cause he was like, I want to sell drugs. He's like, he had a lot of like philosophical ideas about, you know, lack of regulation and freedom from the government and yada, yada, yada. Got it. Yeah. And that just kind of breeds the type of people and, and transactions that would happen. Right. And, and there are, I have seen some people, make the argument that one positive of you know it this anonymity does breed drug sales but one positive is that it eliminated a lot of the violence and crime from drug sales because if you don't like a seller you know you can't go like fucking shoot them 
or something like that, you know, because it's all online and it's all anonymous. So there is a case to be made about like removing the violence factor of like street drug trading and stuff like that. Oh, so this this Ross, I'm coming around to him. Yeah, yeah. I, and what's crazy is like he was a fucking kid, dude. I mean, he was just out of school. He was like, uh, let's see, he was arrested when he was 29. So uh, he was like 26, 27 when he started making the site. Yeah. Like younger than us. <laughs> I wonder, I don't know if you're going to yeah. get into it, but he definitely still has like a shitload of Bitcoin, right? We will get into it a little bit, but it's a kind of a gray area, whether he still has Bitcoin somewhere or if uh maybe the fbi has recovered all of his bitcoin okay okay i won't i won't try and spoil it i'm sure he's got some fucking wallets though that's that's what i'm thinking <laughs> so let's get into it into the crazy end to the silk road the actions of our cast of characters can be tracked through the various forum posts and chat messages of the silk road our primary and most important character is the dread pirate roberts this is ross albright's account there's our third name. Oh, uh, that's a cool Trent name, Ryan dude. You should, he should lead with that name. <laughs> Not Altoid. You don't think he should lead with Altoid? If you're going to do Altoid, you got to do Tangerine Altoid, because those were the best. <laughs> those were the only good ones. They had the strongman tin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. You couldn't open them. Your fingers were hurting, and then your tongue would go numb and just be ripped up. But they were so good. Bring them back. Yeah. Are they, did they go away? I guess I haven't seen them in forever, so they're probably gone. Yeah, I don't. It's the round tin, right? I don't know who carries around mints anymore either. So, <laughs> right, I, I, that's I, fair. I, the market's got to be low on that. Well, as soon as we started wearing masks, nobody wanted to fuck with Altoids anymore. <laughs> yeah, like why do I have to? I'm just breathing it. Well, actually, you're breathing in your own mouth, so it was more for yourself than yeah. like other people. That's fair. But anyway, so Silk Road. <laughs> uh, yeah, Silk Road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Early 2013, Dread Pirate Roberts is contacted by a new seller to the site, Nob. <laughs> Nob <laughs> tells Ross he is a major drug smuggler specializing in large shipments. Nob goes on to explain about the small quantities most buyers were going for on the site. Ross, eager to continue the site's growth, tells Nob he will have a moderator, dubbed the employee, search out a buyer looking for a big shipment. The employee goes on a hunt and shortly finds a prospective buyer. The buyer is put in contact with Nob, and the transaction is completed. The shipment of cocaine would end up going to the address of the employee. Shortly after, large amounts of Bitcoin associated with that sale went missing. Dread Pir Pirate Roberts and the team began investigating, though, as luck would have it, Nob determined the employee had stolen it. Nob also mentions to Ross that he could help if he wanted to locate them and handle it. To which Ross responds, The employee got busted. Also, he stole funds from the Silk Road users. Beat him and get the money back. Okay, thanks, bye. Which is all letters, by the way. It's like K-T-H-X or... B-A-I. What? Yeah, you nailed it. K-T-H-X-B-A-I. Like, okay, thanks, bye. Like the drink? Bait. <laughs> yeah. More users complain about Bitcoin theft to Ross in response. Ross reaches back out to Nob and refines his request. He now wants the employee dead. Nob agrees, and the two negotiate an $80,000 price for the hit. Half paid 
up front and half once completed. Ross uses the anonymous TechnoCash transfer to send the $40,000. The message picks or didn't happen and the employee's supposed driver's license. Wait, what? Yeah. They're doing that hit and he says, picks or it didn't happen. Sure did. <laughs> Ross is a bit of a badass. What could I say? I'm so confused because I was picturing this little kid and you're like, yeah, he did, he, he's just this guy who pretends to be Jeff and that now he's paying some guy for a hit and he's like, Oh, uh, TTYL, send pics. <laughs> like, Listen, man, a lot could happen in two and a half years. Damn, dude. You, know, you go from a little college student with a free market theory to uh, ordering hits on your employee for $80,000. That's crazy. Pixar didn't happen. A few days later, Nob informs Ross that, he, that they have located the employee, but they were waiting for him to be alone as he was with his wife and daughter. The next message to Ross was a picture of the employee. Nob commented that he was still alive, but being tortured to try and regain the lost Bitcoin. At the end of the week, another picture is sent, this one containing a corpse. The employee had died from heart failure from the intense torture. Upon confirmation of the disposal of the body, Ross sent the second half of the payment through Technocash, proving how far Ross Albright was willing to go to protect his free market. For this would not be the last hit he would order. Shit, dude. All because the employee, yeah. like, spent 10,000 Bitcoin on some pizzas? And Ross is all mad at him? What? That wasn't exactly it, no. no. That's not it the same guy? the fact that he was... Uh, nope. He was stealing Bitcoins from, like, the company wallet, essentially. And also other users on the site. Yeah, not good for business. Not great for business, one would say. Not a great employee. Uh, and so he knew the the actual employee because this was one of the guys he hired. It was one of the guys he hired, yeah. Okay. Because I was wondering how he would have gotten his ID. How he got his ID, yeah. No, he, this was somebody he hired. Uh, and it was, it, funny enough, it was not like a long-trusted employee. I believe it's kind of shady. Uh, not shady. It's kind of muddy. Uh, people have tried to piece together the timeline and stuff like that. And like a lot of the messages we have are from the court case, but because the accounts were kind of anonymous, it seems like the employee was a pretty recent hire and like new to the site. So it wasn't like a long trusted employee, but it was an employee that got hired to be like a, a moderator and like deal with complaints and stuff like that. Got it. And now he's dead. Now he's dead. Tortured dead. Damn, Ross. On March 13th, 2013, a user called Friendly Chemist reached out to Dread Pirate Roberts with a desperate plea. This is an exact text. Can you please get Dread Pirate Roberts to message me right away? It's very serious. A matter of life and death. Also, has to do with the identity of a dozen top vendors and thousands of Silk Road customers. It's very important, so please get him to me right away. I will not talk to anyone but Dread Pirate Roberts, so please do not ask me what it is concerning. Dread responds, and friendly Chemist goes on to explain their situation. Chemist was the supplier of one of the larger sellers on the site, Lucy Drop. Lucy Drop had shown Chemist chat logs between themselves and Dread, which convinced Chemist to then lend Lucy $900,000 worth of product. Unfortunately, Lucy had only repaid $200,000, and 
and now was not home nor responding to any calls. Chemist explains that he had installed a keylogger on Lucy's computer a while ago and had access to the identities of nine top vendors, 15 small vendors, and thousands of customers on the Silk Road. Chemist needed the money because he still owed the money to the group he had purchased the product from and feared for his and his family's life. He threatened to release all vendor and customer information if Lucy did not pay following it up by providing Lucy Drop's login info as proof. Dredd denies any communication with Lucy Drop, but agrees to reach out. The two go back and forth a bit more. Friendly chemist's messages become more frantic and terrified. Then, in the forums, an account, Real Lucy Drop, makes the following post. I can't post in Rumor Mill because I don't have 50 posts. Please post this thread in Rumor Mill. I am the real Lucy Drop. Do not buy from Lucy Drop, Lucy Drop on Silk Road. I can't talk about specifics for security reasons, but I was in jail for more than two months, but less than seven. I got released very recently. Lucy Drop on Silk Road is not me. Do not buy from this account. My, com- my partner completely fucked me over. I went to our spot, there was nothing there, and he won't answer my phone calls. He took the work computer and everything else. He took my entire savings with him that was being used to keep supply up. He took my entire life. Somebody please get in contact with Dread Pirate Roberts or vendor support and have the account shut down immediately and freeze all the funds in the account. How can I contact Dread Pirate Roberts? I can't find a link to message him. I can prove to him that I am the real Lucy Drop, as I do not have access to my PGP or any of my logins. If you, order, uh, if you ordered from me in the past, namely a couple of top vendors, I can give you details and you can verify, vouch that I am indeed the real Lucy Drop. Do not trust anything that is said from the Lucy Drop account. Do not send any funds. Do not finalize anything. Somebody please get Dread Pirate Roberts to see this thread. Somebody please post this in Rumor Mill. My entire life was taken from me, and I do not know what to do. Fucking drama queen. Rumor mill, hello. Yeah, jeez. Like, fucking complain a little more about your, sorry about your supply while you were in jail. (laughs) In jail for more than two months, but less than seven. Yeah, interesting. Specifically. (laughs) So I didn't do do anything too bad, but uh, I'm out. And it was around five months. Well, no. More than two, less than seven. Imagine it was like two and change. <laughs> You're just being an asshole by putting more than two, but like <laughs> not seven. Less than seven. Come on. Dread reaches out and asks how this person was able to access their account. Real Lucy Drop explains that they started the account as partners and ran it together until he got arrested. He goes on to say that Friendly Chemist was the middleman for one of their LSD distributors. He reached out to the friendly chemist, who was utterly panicked, going on about a deal he made with their partner. Dredd is ecstatic and says, Chemist is currently trying to blackmail him. Dredd wants real Lucy to give him Chemist's real identity so he can threaten him with violence, but he can't really get involved in the rest of their situation. Real Lucy is understandably hesitant about this proposal, 
They explained that Chemist also has their information and tons of evidence from the computer that could put him away for life. More than seven months? More than seven months. And less than two. <laughs> nope. More than two. More than two, also more than seven. Yeah. Real Lucy describes their plan to meet up with chemists, calm them down, and work on a plan going forward. Dread concedes to this plan. Returning from the meeting, we learn that friendly chemist is in full panic mode. Apparently, the group he bought the LSD from is the Canadian equivalent of the Hells Angels. What the fuck are they going to do? Kill him? <laughs> w- apologize him to death? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't you go stealing our money, don't you know? Ah, it's too much. They're, they're, they're shoving Tim Hortons down my mouth. <laughs> hey, sweet of God, I'll maple board you. <laughs> God. Sorry, Canada. <laughs> Sorry. I love, your, I love your area. He also proposed a solution in which Dredd pays them the money he needs, then provides real Lucy with more product. Instead of taking the usual 50%, Chemist offers to give that directly to Dredd in order to pay him back. He also refuses to hand over the list of names and addresses, instead offering his identity as collateral. 24 hours passed with no response from Dredd. Real Lucy asks for an answer so he can formulate a plan to protect himself. Dredd finally responds. He is unhappy with the situation telling real Lucy he will not be handing over cash to someone threatening his community, again asking for chemist's real identity to handle the situation himself. Real Lucy goes into another long plea asking to help pay off chemist and then start selling again. Dread Pirate Roberts does not back down. He tells real Lucy not to contact him again unless it's with chemist's identity. Dread also asks to be put in touch with their supplier, and with that, our next character enters the sage, red and white. Oh, he's Canadian. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's red and white. Yeah. On the 25th of March, 2013, red and white, the supposed supplier, reaches out. I was asked to contact you. We are the people Friendly Chemist owes money to. He tells us that you owe him money and a long, boring story about some of this and some of that. As far as we're concerned, we gave him the product. Where it went uh, and how does not matter. We hold him and only him responsible for the missing product. We don't care if you stole it from him, borrowed it from him, or anything. It was his responsibility to pay for it. He asked me to contact you anyways. What did you want to talk to us about? Dredd responds, hoping to reach a conclusion that works for all parties involved. He also takes this opportunity to have red and white cut out the middleman and sell their product directly on the site oh shit yeah businessman this guy's a businessman this guy he he's coming places from from gmail to uh ordering hits and now connecting with suppliers directly yeah big big money potential. i'm like a proud father ross is growing up right before my eyes in this story <laughs> yeah they grow up so fast oh, you know this piques red and white's interest Claiming to be one of the larger organizations in Western Canada, dealing in LSD, ketamine, MDMA, meth, GBH, and more. As far as the chemist is concerned, they already have people out looking for him, but are not concerned about his threats or even him going to the police. At the same time, Dredd offers real Lucy $1,000 in Bitcoin for chemist's information. 
Then, receiving that, Dread replies to Red and White. In my eyes, friendly chemist is a liability, and I wouldn't mind if he was executed. But then you'd be out of 700k. I don't think he was going to come up with the money because he seems very desperate. I'm not sure how much you already know about the guy, but I have the following info and am waiting on getting his address. Blake Karkarov lives in an apartment near White Rock Beach, age 34, city, White Rock, Providence, British Columbia, wife, plus three kids. After this, he transitions seamlessly back into selling red and white on selling through the Silk Road. Dredd lays out all the complications, fees, and the fact that they would control a large majority of the market based on their product selection. Red and White seems interested in the potential profits Dredd has laid out. Also, they have captured the friendly chemist partner, Zin, the other member of Lucy Drop. Red and White and the Dread Pirate Roberts then go back and forth about getting their business on the Silk Road. Dread helps them set up secure messaging and the escrow they would need. Red and White soon informs Dread that after some persuasive questioning, Jin admitted to planning a move out of the country and setting up a new seller account. Jin was then swiftly dealt with. The next day, Friendly Chemist reappears. Okay. So Jin yeah, I, is... I don't want to... I was going to try and ignore it. How the fuck do you spell it? X-I-N. Okay. Jin. I would have never fucking guessed that in a million years. <laughs> yeah, X-I-N. So I, I mean, I could be butchering that, but I believe it's Jin. Okay. Is, how is, N, is N a Roman numeral at all? No. M is, not N. All right. Well... Anyways, that's so unimportant to what we're... Were you trying to figure out, like, a, the secret behind the number in his name? Yeah, I try. I think there's mysteries everywhere, and I'm just trying to... It's, I don't want to miss details. I don't, I don't want to skip over something. True. I, I love how, uh, yeah, it's good. There could be a mystery anywhere, you know? Yeah. It could be the math of the name he's using. It could be the name he used in his Gmail account. Who knows, you know? <laughs> they could be anywhere. Uh, I'm just trying to... It could be anywhere. I'm making sure that I... I'd rather overanalyze, and mm. I'm just trying to avoid my own apology to our listeners. So that's really where I'm going. Oh, yeah. You're, you're overcompensating. Yes. <laughs> Very good. I, I will never apologize <laughs> to these listeners because I'm going to overanalyze everything. Very good. All right. So before we jump back into the messages and stuff like that, I feel like that was a lot of different names. So I'm just going to break down like who our characters are again. Uh, so even better, I'll break it down. Give me the rundown, baby. Who okay. you got? So we got Ross Albright at gmail.com. Also, Josh to his roommates. Also, the dreaded pirate something something. Uh, Rogers. Doing great, Rogers. Right? called him Jesse before. So <laughs> did I? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got this guy. Yeah, he, no. He's Silk Road creator. Then we got Done. employee died. Whatever. Uh, well, not whatever. But he does. He, uh, he kind of whatever. He, he's no longer in the hierarchy. We'll put it that way. He's no longer a character. Yeah. Um. So then we got um. The uh, red and white is the supplier. To supplier. he gave drugs to. My brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> gave drugs to friendly chemist. friendly chemist yes who was working mm -hmm. with um who went to jail for more than two months but less than seven kind of 
Was it? He was working with two people. Oh, Jin and Jin and uh Lucy. And real Lucy drop. Yes. Real Lucy drop. Real Lucy drop. They were both they were both selling under the Lucy drop handle. Yes. Okay. And they had that partnered. And then um he's well he's like being threatened cuz he lost it. the drugs. Right. So friendly chemists essentially bought the drugs off of Red and White to sell to Jin and Real Lucy Drop. Jin dipped out on Friendly Chemist and Real Lucy Drop was in jail at the time. And so Friendly Chemist couldn't pay back Red and White. So now he's in a pickle. So that's where we're at now. Wow. That would have been a really easy way to do that instead of the last 10 minutes, you know. Well, you know, <laughs> it's all about the drama. <laughs> so let's get back into the messages. The next day, the Friendly Chemist reappears. You leave me no choice. I want $500,000 USD within 72 hours or I'm going to post all of the info I have. I can't go back to my home and I have to move my kids and wife somewhere and I need the money so I can move my family and start a new life. I hate to do this, but I need the money or I'm going to release it all. Over 5,000 user details and about two dozen vendor identities. What's it going to be? Dread Pirate responds. Don't do anything foolish. The people that you owe money to have caught up with Jin and reclaimed their loss. I spoke to them and calmed them down. They are likely going to become vendors on here on the Silk Road. Now you can calm down too. Go back to your normal life and don't get involved in this stuff anymore. Friendly Chemist. You don't think I know what they did to Jin? You think I can just go on with my life? You don't know these people. I owed them money and I ran away from them. It's over for me. I need that money to start over somewhere else with my family. I need it. I don't want to do this, but you don't give me any choice. They are still telling me that I have to meet them and I know what will happen. I can't let that happen. Even if they say it's okay, I know they will do the same thing they did to Jin. They say everything is okay, but I know what they will do. 63 hours, please don't force me to post everything. 500,000 is nothing to you, but it's life and death to me. They told me that I have a free pass and that they dealt with it with Jin, but I know they are doing that to make me think it's okay and then get me. That's how these people operate. Jeez, this guy's paranoid. A little, yeah, you know. Fucking wh- trying to eliminate the violence from drug trade here. Yeah, uh, just a lot more drama now. <laughs> it is a lot of drama. I'm telling you, it's like a soap opera. <laughs> Dread Pirates responds, "Do me a favor and make it 96 hours. I will go back. T- I will get back to you on Monday. I want to work this out, but I have big plans for this weekend and don't want to have to deal with this. Got big plans, man. Yeah, come on. Then Dread reaches out to Red and White. Hi again, Red and White." I hate to come to you with a problem when we are just starting to get to know one another, but Blake, friendly chemist, is causing me problems. Are you still looking for him, or now that you've found Jin, have you given up? I would like to put a bounty on his head, if it's not too much trouble for you. What would be an adequate amount to motivate you to find him? Necessities like this do happen from time to time for a person in my position. I have others I can turn to, but it is always good to have options and you are close to the case right now. Hopefully this is something you are open to and can be another aspect of our business relationship. Regards, Dread Pirate Roberts. 
Damn, dude, he's ordering hits. Like, so he's trying to save five hundred thousand, and obviously not have to deal with this guy potentially leaking. Um, right. And he's just asking the Canadian gang guy, the Canadian Hell's Angels. Yeah. All right. Let's see if they do it. It's this is yeah. This is like days of our lives, except it's what would it be called? Days of the Silk Road. Yeah, silky. I don't know. Like I don't know. I'm trying to like silky. This is the comedy you guys come to. Yeah, we don't. This is us trying to name shit. That's the name of this podcast. <laughs> we can't name anything. Discussion between the two begin. Red and White doesn't typically deal with hits. They are a mess and draw lots of attention. Red also goes on to ask some clarifying questions about if any money was owed to Dread and the particular reason for their silencing. Prices are then laid out: three hundred thousand for a clean kill, and one hundred and fifty to 200,000 for a non-clean kill. This would cover two men as well as travel expenses. Dredd is hesitant and explains that he had one hit under his belt already and that that only cost $80,000. Red does not budge, provides a Bitcoin address and informs Dredd they have already compromised one of the chemist's associates to set him up. Putting his faith in red and white, Dredd agrees and sends over the money for a non-clean hit. He also reassures Red that while the current price for Bitcoin was 90, the price tends to fluctuate, and he would pay the difference if they could not pull it out in time. So, one, that's fucking insane. It, for a whole Bitcoin at the time, it was only $90. Yeah, and he's wasting it that's to wild. kill someone? He could be a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but he's he's claiming that like he'll pay him this uh hundred and fifty thousand dollars and if they can't pull it out before the Bitcoin price drops, he'll pay them the difference in Bitcoin. I which is crazy. I wish I could get someone to do that for me. That would be amazing. That would be awesome because uh crypto fluctuates too much. Kinda of fucks. Right. Right. Which I feel like just goes to prove cause the the like the price point of $80 million, the assumed money he supposedly made on the Silk Road, it, it's what it is, and it's assumed amount. But I feel like the fact that he's just like, hey, here's 150000 If it drops, I'll just pay you more, kind of speaks to how much money he was making on this. Yeah, Ross, Ross got bags. Ross got bags. Is also only paying $1,000 a month on rent, so yeah, bags. Living with two, is he still living with two guys? At this point, yeah, he's still living with the two guys. That's fucking crazy. He lived with those two guys until he lived with a lot of other guys oh, in prison. <laughs> <laughs> oh, in his cell. <laughs> in his cell, right, right, which he didn't have to pay for, so. Hey, but not bad. <laughs> he did have surmountable fines, but we'll get to that. A day later, Red has captured Chemist and has begun questioning him. Through this, they learned that Friendly Chemist was working with Jin all the time. Not only that, but there was a third partner. A person that had committed many scams on the site already. Red offers up this third man's identity free of charge and heads to confirm Chemist's ultimate demise with a picture for Dread. He provides more information on the third guy and searches through the laptops and USBs retrieved from the Friendly Chemist. The laptops were empty, but the USB contained thousands of addresses and a file labeled blackmail.txt. Dredd asks for the information to be destroyed. However, the thought of a third person, 
that likely stole millions from users on the Silk Road, walking free did not sit well with Dredd. And so, he starts inquiring about tracking him down as well. Red says they would likely be able to track him down, but didn't want to hunt for him if it would lead to nothing. Did Dredd want him dealt with as well? Dredd doesn't want to eliminate an innocent man, asking Red if it would be possible to question him first. Red confirms that would not be a problem. Dredd gives the order to go ahead. Two days later, Red has tracked down this third person using their network of sellers. It seems he also was planning to leave the area, most likely due to the chemist's and Lucy's end. The recon also revealed that this person was living and working with three more people. Dredd gives the order to go and asks to grab all four members. He also tips Red off there are most likely thousands of stolen bitcoins in their possession, so they should be careful not to eliminate them before obtaining the key. Red and White again quotes Dredd 150000 for just the one unclean kill, but if he wanted all of them, it would be $500,000. With little hesitation, Dredd sends over $500,000, bringing up his body count to six. Within only a few days, Red and White has captured and dealt with all of the scammers. In total, they recovered $15,000 worth of Canadian dollars, a quarter kilo of cocaine, 20 ounces of heroin, and around 350 bitcoins. Supposedly, a picture was sent, but the two had moved their discussion into a private chat that could not be recovered. A few months later, Ross Albright, also known as the Dread Pirate Roberts, would be arrested and put on the trial as the drug kingpin, the Dark Web. He would be convicted for distributing narcotics, distributing narcotics by means of the internet, conspiracy to distribute narcotics, engaging in continuing criminal enterprise, conspiracy to commit computer hacking, conspiracy to traffic in false identities, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. Ross is currently serving two life sentences with the possibility of parole plus 40 years and a fine of $183,961,921. That's very exact. Yeah, it's, I, it's good research. Good research. Did you add that all up yourself? <laughs> I did. The, I got a calculator out and everything. Oh, wow. Notably, no charges for murder or conspiracy to commit murder can be found. When the investigative team seized Albright's laptop and began searching through his chat history, new information was found. The large supplier Ross dealt with for his first hit was actually an undercover agent associated with the investigation. The employee was busted, but the photos of his supposed torture and murder were all staged. <gasps> so he's still in the uh, hierarchy. He is still a character. <laughs> he is, kind of. <laughs> Whoa. However, Lucy Drop, real Lucy Drop, Friendly Chemist, and Red and White were not undercover agents. The investigation searched through all the claims in the chat, but they met dead ends everywhere. All the names and addresses referenced in the chat did not lead to real people. All these characters were just one person. No hits were committed, and Ross Albright was scammed out of over $700,000. It wouldn't be until 2018 when a new suspect, 
James Ellingson, was arrested in Canada. Ellingson admitted to selling on the Silk Road under the name Marijuana is My Muse, earning upwards of $2 million. Interestingly, Ellingson joined the Silk Road around the same time as Red and White. Further still, a file recovered from Albright's laptop labeled Save underscore Red holds several photos, including packaged drugs, Canadian currency, and a man standing in front of a building holding a picture of a series of numbers. Cross-referencing the man in the picture with Ellingson's license seems to be a perfect match. Beyond this, nothing has been truly proven to unravel the mystery that took one of the most prominent online drug kingpins for around $700,000. Wow. And that's the story of the Silk Road. (laughs) Damn, son, that is a soap opera. It's crazy, right? Wow, that is so, honestly, so lucky that Ross, uh, so Ross, let's just backtrack. Ross is a fucking idiot overall. Uh-huh. Is, uh, is at the one end of the spectrum so fucking brilliant, but at the other end, a big dummy. <laughs> a big dumb dummy. Big dumb dummy playing, playing fucking manhunt. And he was literally like role playing a drug dealer. <laughs> I don't know why we keep getting these stories of assassination where everybody's role-playing, yeah. but they just keep popping up. <laughs> wow. That's, like, so lucky. Wait. No, that's true. Because I remember, I forget, I remember seeing somewhere, I may have been in law school, honestly, was, like, technically, if you mm-hmm. believed you had drugs on you, mm-hmm. like, you believed you had a bag of cocaine, but it was actually sugar, and you were, like, transported across state lines... You could still be found guilty, even though it's not real cocaine, because you had like the intent and thought it was real. So it that's so that I feel like that is kind of what uh, calls to a lot of the convictions that were uh, brought against Ross. The like conspiracy, right? The conspiracy mm-hmm. to sell. Yeah, is that what they're referencing? I wanted to ask you about that because you have a, a bit more knowledge about that. Like there's all this like it's like distributing narcotic nar- distributing narcotics and then conspiracy to distribute narcotics. Is that all just to like maximize the amount of sentence they can add to it just by like doing all those levels? Yeah, they'll they'll bring everything. Um so yeah, how however many charges he gets for like each count they can find evidence of like a different they're going to bring it all. Um and yeah, conspiracy is just easier. It's also easier to to convict um gotcha but yeah yeah they would like bring everything they could for each incident yeah pretty crazy pretty crazy stuff and when he was first arrested a lot of the people around him were like staunchly fighting this this arrest because he was like on the other end of the spectrum of somebody that would like create this massive drug empire essentially uh he looks like every other fucking white guy in the room essentially wow Uh, i wonder (laughs) clearly not a fucking mastermind yeah i want to know it'd be awesome that would make like a great movie actually or not even i just want to see it he probably was spiraling a little after he he made these hits where he's like fuck like i'm a murderer now like and he just like Mm -hmm. he started wearing different clothes and like getting dark hair like like he's just like 
I'm, uh, I've, I've gone over the deep end and then it ends up like, no, yeah. no, we, we tricked you. You didn't, you didn't really do a it. real Walter white. Yeah. Fuck dude. That's <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's lucky for him. So, I mean, not, is it? Well, like that he didn't end up killing anyone or being responsible for anyone dying. I guess he could have gotten a death sentence. Right, because he got two life sentences without the possibility of parole. I don't know how much that actually would have added. Yeah, to Yeah, I guess I'm more thinking just still on like a personal level of right, like the the morals. Yeah, in the morals inside him, probably like, oh, okay, I just lost a shit ton of money. Yeah. So, oh, I didn't, I didn't kill anyone. I still, I was just right. creating a free marketplace. I'm still that that young, good Ross inside. Yeah. And it's so funny because, I mean, I guess there is a world in which all the names discussed were, you know, uh, uh, fake names and stuff like that. And the hits did actually happen. Most likely not. Probably not. But one thing you can't dispute is that Ross gave these people the money because you can track the Bitcoin sales. Yeah. (laughs) Like, dude lost a lot of money. $700,000 worth of Bitcoin, which in today's money is millions yeah that's a shitload of money it's crazy to me how i mean people are throwing like half a bitcoin at like some weed in the day it, crazy damn hope you enjoyed your little high you could have been a fucking millionaire right wow and so after after the silk road got taken down many other sites popped up the silk road 2 which just tried to like there was the Silk Road two and the Silk Road three that just tried to capitalize on the name. Both of those markets did not have the same restrictions, so there was much more illegal shit on it. Those all kind of ended up going down. It's never really been proven, but it, it's very much theorized that when the FBI got into the Silk Road, that gave them the tools to get into a lot of these other things. So. Even people seem seem like these sites are not secure, and it's even theorized that another one of these sites that popped up was even created by the FBI as like their own portal to keep track of all these people. A little entrapment game to, to fucking right. track these people too. Yeah, uh, that's right. And I guess everyone kind of learned. They looked at Ross and were like, "We're not falling for it. We're not a big dummy yeah. like him." I'm gonna change my gmail i i see i was right i called bullshit right away there's no goddamn canadian gang come on (laughs) that was a dead giveaway ross the the canadian hell's angel yeah yeah he really did like just i mean full-on believed it wow that was that was definitely up and down of like the saga the silk road saga It's fucking wild, man. And it's like, this isn't speculation. Like, this whole story is gained from court documents. Like, the court documents hold all of these conversations on the forums that he had. Like, this is not speculation. Damn. That's the story of the Silk Road and its eventual downfall. I also, in my mind, the Silk Road was this way longer running kind of dark web marketplace but it was three years it was only three years yeah it, it's it's like a lot more infamous for a short-lived amount of time 
Totally. That's the Silk Road, baby. Wow. I'm a little upset. We didn't talk about any like clothes or linens or still mm-hmm. nothing on there. Maybe they sold them. They're, imagine, dude, a seller like signed up and thinking it was something completely different. And it's just selling like yarn. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, whoa, someone's selling. Whoa, 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 what's going on? <laughs> they're just like, well, maybe I'll pivot to pouches yeah. where you can hold your stuff in here. <laughs> wow. No, man. I mean, apparently there was like legal stuff sold on it as well like it wasn't purely drugs there was apparently like you know books would be put on there kind of like banned books or hard to find books and stuff like that it really was the 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 initial idea was just like an open market for ross but of course that's gonna breed you know Mm. selling of drugs because you're dealing with a restricted market already so yeah it's not even that i feel like it's not even that an open market creates drug sales it's that it was just escaping the regulated market yeah no that makes sense and it it just sucks overall that silk road essentially is one of the big reasons crypto has such a fucking bad connotation with it um that people always bring up yeah and after this story i mean they're not wrong dude was trying to like send out hits and shit but it's uh it's it's tough but he didn't yeah, but he did. So crypto's like a you. You think you did something bad, but you didn't. You just lost all that money. Yeah, that's essentially that sums up my history with crypto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, more losses. Wait, Thank you. You mean you mean I don't actually own an ape? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, NFTs go away. Please, thank you. I, I still fucking have some. I'm stuck with them. At this point, they have to be losing you money. <laughs> you can't lose unless you sell, baby. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> to the moon. To the moon. Diamond hands. Come on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but it really did give Bitcoin this like this bad kind of connotation to the majority of people. Which stinks. Fucking Ross. Leave it up to a guy named Ross. Fucking hell. Ross William Albright. Fucking peg leg. The old dread pirate Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't have a peg leg. Oh, just, Come on. It, I wouldn't be surprised with this story if that somehow came up. I, have you never seen The Princess Bride? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, there was no confidence in that answer. <laughs> I've seen it, but like, don't quiz me on it. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah they make well, they make Anne Hathaway pretty I, I've seen it a hundred times you're thinking of Snow Dogs <laughs> the kitty movie <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, man we're all confused yeah well now that I've just confused everyone <laughs> I, yeah even yourself take us out y'all take us out <laughs> that was a Silk Road another dark and deep web uh exploration that we like to take you down but if you got a story or a rabbit hole you want us to dive into reach out to us at the weird wide web pod at gmail.com weird wide web dot pod on instagram and weird wide web pod on twitter or search us on youtube at weird wide web pod 
Uh, we want your stories. And, you know, I would even go a step further. We've been looking at the at the statistics, and we see that uh, we got some listeners, you know, not just in the U.S., we got listeners abroad. And I want to hear, like, I'm interested to hear kind of crazy stories, maybe not even like a rabbit hole, but just like a crazy experience that you had online, you know, in other countries. Because the internet is not U.S.-centric. Like, I'd love to know kind of other crazy moments that happen online. I think they'd be fun to dive into. And I got to give a big shout out because it's, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of the internet, maybe not a big thing, but we just hit 300 followers on Instagram. And I just want to thank all of our supporters. It's really, really awesome. And like, we're, we're very grateful for uh, all the support because we love doing it. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> we love, we love you. The enthusiasm is unparalleled from you, my friend. When we, when we get uh, when we get to five hundred, I'll I'll really pull it out. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here, folks. One big uh, exciting celebration if we get to five hundred. Just go around and share us out to your friends. Share us out of spite. If you don't like someone, show them the Mister Hands episode. <laughs> <laughs> Call them a horse fucker. Share our episode. Share it. Yeah, the statistics still count. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's been another episode. Thank you again for joining me. As always, Niall. Thank you, Yale, for taking us down this smooth and non-clothing related road. <laughs> that's right. That's how they described it in the court proceedings.